Welcome back, dear listeners, to the AI Nightmares podcast. Tonight, we traverse the realms of the unknown, venturing deep into stories that blur the line between reality and the darkest corners of imagination. Each chilling narrative you're about to hear has been birthed from the concise terror of two-sentence horror tales. But that's not all. As the echoes of these tales fade, stick around. We'll be sharing the original spine-tangling prompts that inspired this episode. And for those of you curious about the enigma that is artificial intelligence, stay with us till the very end for some fascinating insights into the world of AI. So, without further ado, let's dive into the abyss of horror that awaits. Tale 1. The Doppelganger's Warning Daniel had always been a light sleeper, frequently waking to the slightest creak or rustle in his home. Tonight, though, the house was unusually silent. After a long and tiring day at work, he hoped for an uninterrupted night's rest. That's until he heard the soft, timid voice of his son, Lucas, from the adjacent room. Daddy, Lucas called out, his voice quivering with fear. Reluctantly, Daniel pushed back the warm covers and got up, rubbing the sleep from his eyes. As he entered Lucas's room, he found his son sitting upright, the moonlight casting an eerie glow over his pale face. What's wrong, buddy? Daniel murmured, trying to soothe his son's evident distress. Lucas's big blue eyes stared intently at him. Daddy, check for monsters under my bed, he whispered. Daniel couldn't help but smile at the innocence of his child's request. Deciding to play along for Lucas's amusement, he bent down, lifting the edge of the bedsheet to take a peek underneath. His heart stopped. There, under the bed, staring back at him with the same terrified blue eyes was Lucas. This other Lucas was quivering, his tiny hands clutching at the bed's underside. Daddy, he whispered, there's somebody on my bed. Panic surged through Daniel. He instinctively reached out to pull the trembling child from beneath the bed. But as he did, a chilling thought struck him. Which of the two was his real son? The Lucas on the bed now seemed oddly calm, watching the unfolding scene with a slight smirk playing on his lips. Daniel's instinct screamed that something was terribly amiss. Who are you? Daniel demanded, pointing at the Lucas on the bed while holding the other close to him. The figure on the bed chuckled, a hollow echoing sound that filled the room. A lost soul. It replied, its voice a distorted version of Lucas's, trapped between worlds, seeking a vessel to inhabit. Your son seemed perfect. Horrified, Daniel clutched the trembling Lucas even tighter. Get out of my house, he yelled, fury and fear evident in his voice. The doppelganger on the bed slowly began to fade, the smirk replaced by an expression of anger and frustration. You can't keep me out forever. It hissed, disappearing into the shadows. The room was silent once more save for the ragged breaths of both Daniel and Lucas. Gently, Daniel set his son on the bed, checking every nook and cranny of the room to ensure the entity was truly gone. That night, Lucas slept in his parents' room, the traumatic events casting a long shadow on the once-innocent bedtime ritual. The under-the-bed check became a nightly routine, not for amusement, but for ensuring safety. The doppelganger never returned, but the memory of that night forever haunted Daniel, the boundaries of reality had been stretched, 
revealing the thin line separating the known from the unknown. In the following days, Daniel learned about doppelgangers, entities that replicate the appearance of a person, sometimes serving as harbingers of doom or agents of malevolent intentions. The experience left an indelible mark on the family. The assurance of safety in one's own home, the belief in the predictability of the world, had been shattered. The unknown had been glimpsed, and its darkness was something they could never forget. Tale 2. The Dark Eternity Margaret had always been a person of tradition. Born and raised in a conservative town, she believed in the customs passed down through generations. So, when the time came to decide her post-mortem wishes, she opted for a burial, just as her ancestors had. She believed it to be a respectful way to let the body rest, having faith that her soul would ascend to a serene afterlife. However, the reality that awaited her was far from the peaceful eternity she had envisioned she found herself enveloped in absolute darkness. At first she thought she was trapped in a dream, but as the hours turned into days and days into weeks, the terrifying reality began to dawn on her. She was trapped in her own coffin, aware of everything but unable to move, speak, breathe, or hear. It was an eternal silent darkness. The weight of the loneliness and realization was far more suffocating than the lack of air. Time became an abstract concept. Memories of her past life, her childhood, her first love, her family, and the sunny days in the park played in her mind like an old film reel, becoming her only solace. But as the days turned into what felt like years, even those memories began to blur and fade. Had she known this would be her fate, she would have chosen to be cremated, to have her physical form disintegrate into nothingness rather than be trapped in this agonizing limbo. One day, or perhaps it was night, she couldn't tell anymore. She felt a presence, another consciousness, another trapped soul. They couldn't communicate in words, but their souls intertwined, sharing their sorrow and loneliness. The connection, though ethereal, gave Margaret a sliver of comfort. She wasn't entirely alone. The two souls clung to each other, finding solace in their shared misery. The bond grew stronger with time, becoming a beacon of hope in the overwhelming darkness. They relived their memories, shared their stories, and drew strength from each other's presence. But even this bond wasn't enough to ward off the perpetual darkness and isolation. Margaret's yearning for release, for an end to this torment, grew stronger. She wished to scream, to break free, to feel the sun on her skin once more. But she remained imprisoned, her voice unheard. And then, a miracle occurred. A sensation, faint at first, but unmistakable. A vibration, a distant sound. The sound grew louder, clearer, the rhythmic chanting of a ritual, an ancient rite to free trapped souls. Margaret felt a pull, a tug at her very essence. The ritual reached its crescendo, and a blinding light pierced the darkness. The force of it was so strong, so overwhelming, that Margaret felt herself being torn from her coffin, her earthly prison. She and the other soul were freed, their spirits ascending, finally at peace. Back in the physical world, in a small secluded village, an old shaman stood by two ancient graves. He had felt the trapped spirits, heard their silent cries. With his knowledge of the old ways, he had set them free. As dawn broke, 
The village was bathed in a golden hue. The shaman whispered a final prayer, hoping that no soul would ever have to endure such torment again. And as the sun's first rays touched the graves, two ethereal figures danced in the light, grateful for their release, before fading into the vastness of the universe. Tale 3. Mirror's Call Lila had always been fond of antiques. The history, the charm, the stories that every piece held, it was like owning a fragment of the past. On a gloomy Saturday afternoon, she stumbled upon an intricately designed standing mirror at a yard sale in the older part of town. The ornate silver frame, tinged with age, was inscribed with symbols that Lila couldn't recognize. Despite its age, the glass was clear and pristine. The elderly seller, Ms. Eleanor, seemed eager to part with it for a surprisingly low price. That evening, the mirror found a new home in Lila's bedroom, opposite her bed. The room seemed brighter, larger. It was a beautiful addition, and Lila felt a sense of triumph for snagging such a deal. In the stillness of the night, Lila awoke to a faint tapping sound. Disoriented, she initially dismissed it as the remnants of a dream. But as her consciousness sharpened, the sound persisted, knocking on glass. Lila's mind raced to the window, imagining a stray animal or a tree branch caught in the wind. A chilling realization washed over her when she noticed that the window was untouched and the curtains undisturbed. The knocking was rhythmic, insistent, and undeniably coming from the mirror. Heart pounding, Lila mustered the courage to face the mirror. The reflection was her own, but it seemed off. The room behind her reflection was darker, the air murkier. Her own reflected face looked paler, eyes hollow. And then, the reflected Lila raised a hand and knocked on the other side of the glass, looking at Lila with a plea in her eyes. Frozen in fear, Lila watched as her doppelganger's mouth moved, forming silent words, help me. The mirror's surface rippled, and the figure reached out, fingers touching the glass from inside. The knocking grew louder, more desperate. Horrified, Lila stumbled back, knocking over a bedside lamp. The room plunged into darkness. As she scrambled to her feet, the knocking ceased. When the backup lights came on, her reflection was normal once more, and the eerie silence was deafening. Lila spent the remainder of the night on her living room couch, too terrified to return to her bedroom. The next morning, with daylight bringing a semblance of courage, she confronted Ms. Eleanor, demanding to know the history of the mirror. Eyes filled with regret, Ms. Eleanor revealed the mirror's grim past. Centuries ago, it had been crafted by a sorcerer as a prison for his rival. Over time, the mirror had trapped other souls, drawn to its deceptive beauty. Realizing the danger and the torment of the trapped souls, Lila decided the mirror couldn't remain with her. With the help of a local priest and Ms. Eleanor, a ritual was performed to break the curse and release the souls. As the final words of the ritual were chanted, the mirror's surface rippled violently. Shadows of trapped souls emerged, faces distorted in agony, reaching out. With a blinding flash, the mirror shattered, releasing the tormented spirits and plunging the room into darkness. When the dust settled, the room was as it had been, the remnants of the mirror lying harmlessly on the floor. The oppressive aura had lifted. Grateful and relieved, 
Lila swept away the shards, ensuring no fragment remained. The traumatic experience taught her a valuable lesson. Some things from the past are better left untouched. But as nights turned into days, and days into weeks, every so often, in the stillness of the night, Lila would hear a faint, familiar knocking. But there was no mirror in sight. Tale 4. Twice Cast. Lena had recently moved into a small studio apartment, situated in a secluded lane away from the bustling city. It was old, a bit worn from time, but cozy and within her budget. The one oddity she noticed was that, regardless of how sunny it was outside, the apartment seemed to be perpetually dim. This forced her to rely on artificial lighting more often than not. One evening, after returning from work, Lena felt an inexplicable chill as she entered her apartment. Dismissing it as fatigue, she switched on the lone light bulb hanging from the ceiling, casting a pale yellow glow throughout the room. While settling in, Lena noticed something peculiar on the wall, a shadow. Her shadow, to be precise. But there was something amiss. As she moved, she noticed not one, but two distinct shadows mimicking her movements. This was strange, given that the only source of light in the room was the solitary light bulb above. Curious, Lena experimented, moving around, dancing, waving her arms. Both shadows followed suit, but one seemed slightly delayed, as if it was processing her movements before copying them. Growing uneasy, Lena decided to investigate. She climbed on a chair to examine the light bulb, wondering if it was some sort of optical illusion or trick of the light. As she neared it, she felt the temperature drop and heard a faint, almost inaudible whisper. Jerking back, she watched in horror as one shadow began to act independently. It reached out, stretching longer and darker, while the other stayed obediently by Lena's side. The rogue shadow's movements were fluid, snaking its way around the room. Panicking, Lena grabbed her phone to call a friend. But as she dialed, the independent shadow began to take form, solidifying into a dark, human-like silhouette. The whispers grew louder, forming discernible words. Free at last. Lena's friend Eliza answered the call to hear frantic ramblings about shadows and light bulbs. Concerned, she rushed over to Lena's apartment. On entering, she found the room eerily quiet, the single light bulb casting only one shadow. Lena was nowhere to be found. Eliza searched the apartment, but there was no sign of Lena, only a cryptic message scrawled on the wall, trapped in the in-between. Years passed, and the apartment saw many tenants, but none stayed for long. Whispers circulated of strange shadows and an eerie feeling of being watched. Over time, the apartment remained vacant, becoming a local legend of the girl who was swallowed by her own shadow. Yet, on some nights, if one was to pass by the apartment and look up at the window, they might see a lone light bulb casting two shadows on the wall. And if they listened closely, they could hear a soft, desperate whisper. Help me. Tale 5. The 14th Floor Grin Joshua's new apartment in the city was a dream come true. Nestled in a contemporary high-rise building, his unit on the 14th floor offered an expansive view of the sprawling urban landscape below. The city lights shimmered like a sea of stars every night, and the distant sounds of traffic were just audible enough to be soothing. One night, after a grueling day at work, 
Joshua was preparing to dive into bed when he felt an unusual draft. He walked over to the window, checking if he'd accidentally left it open. As he approached, he noticed a peculiar fog outside, enveloping the city in a ghostly veil. The sight was oddly mesmerizing. But then, he froze. A face, pale and grinning, stared back at him from the darkness beyond the window. Wide-eyed with shock, Joshua stumbled backward, reminding himself that he was on the 14th floor. There shouldn't be anyone, or anything. Mustering his courage, he approached the window once more. The face remained, its smile stretching wider, eyes hollow and endless. Heart pounding, Joshua quickly drew the curtain shut and backed away. He considered calling the police, but what would he tell them? That a floating face was grinning at him from outside a 14th floor window. They'd think he was delusional. The night was restless. Every creak of the apartment, every gust of wind, filled Joshua with dread. Morning couldn't come soon enough. When dawn broke, he hesitantly pulled the curtains back. Nothing. The face was gone, and the city below went about its business, seemingly undisturbed. Trying to convince himself that it was just a stress-induced hallucination, Joshua went about his day, albeit with an undercurrent of unease. However, as night began to fall, he found himself drawn to the window morbid curiosity gnawing at him. As the last light of day faded, the face reappeared, its grin even wider, if possible. Panic consumed him. Weeks went by, and every night was the same. Joshua, paralyzed by fear and the face, ever grinning from the void. Sleep became elusive, and his life unraveled. He broke his lease and decided to move out, desperate for an escape. On his last night, with most of his belongings packed, Joshua took one final glance out of the window. The face was there, but this time it spoke in a whisper that sent chills down his spine. Wherever you go, I'll be watching. Distraught and on the verge of a breakdown, Joshua moved to a small ground floor apartment across town. The first night was quiet, and he felt a weight lifted from his shoulders. However, as he was drifting to sleep, a familiar cold draft swept through the room. Hesitating for only a moment, Joshua looked out of his new window. The same grinning face stared back, but now it was right in front of him, its smile almost touching the glass. Terrified, Joshua realized there was no escape. The face, whatever it was, had latched onto him, and it seemed intent on never letting go. Tale 6, The Mannequin Delivery Lydia always had a penchant for the artsy and the eccentric. So, when she inherited an old boutique from her late aunt, she decided to give it a fresh, avant-garde touch. Lydia envisioned the store as a mix of vintage clothing and artistic installations, where patrons could immerse themselves in an otherworldly shopping experience. The first step in her grand plan was to replace the aged and chipped mannequins that currently occupied the store. After hours of online searching, she found a vendor selling high-quality, lifelike mannequins that seemed to perfectly capture the ethereal aura she desired. She promptly placed an order for a dozen. When the delivery truck pulled up a week later, Lydia was brimming with anticipation. The mannequins were carefully wrapped in bubble wrap, and she instructed the delivery crew to place them in the main room of the boutique, planning to unwrap and position them later. 
Lydia retreated to her office to handle some paperwork. As she began sifting through bills and invoices, she was pulled from her concentration by a soft but unmistakable sound. Pop! 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 She brushed it off initially, thinking maybe she had stepped on some stray bubble wrap on her way into the office. But the popping persisted, growing louder and more frequent. Pop! 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 Curious and a bit unnerved, Lydia approached the main room. To her astonishment, the bubble wrap that had once encased the mannequins lay scattered and shredded on the floor. Most disturbingly, the mannequins were no longer in the positions they had been left in. They stood in different spots, posed in a variety of postures, some looking out the windows, some facing the entrance, and a couple that seemed to be mid-stride, walking towards the office. A chilling realization washed over Lydia. The popping she had heard was not random. It was the sound of the bubble wrap being purposefully, deliberately popped. She felt a cold breeze on her neck and turned around slowly. Behind her, just inches away, was one of the mannequins, its face eerily blank but unmistakably turned toward her, bubble wrap still clinging to its figure. As she backed away, she could hear more popping sounds from different corners of the boutique. Desperate to escape, Lydia dashed for the back door, dodging the unnervingly still figures that seemed to be slowly converging on her. Bursting out into the alleyway, she ran without looking back, the echo of popping bubble wrap haunting her every step. She never returned to the boutique. A few weeks later, a passerby noticed the door ajar and ventured in, only to find the store empty except for a dozen lifelike mannequins, each posed as if they were browsing, shopping, or chatting. And in the office, scattered on the floor, were remnants of popped bubble wrap. Tale 7. Whispers in Solitude Ever since her early childhood, Clara had always enjoyed her own company. While her peers thrived in group activities and clamored for social engagements, Clara preferred a quiet corner with a book or a solitary walk in the woods. It was no surprise that when she grew up, she chose to live alone in a cozy apartment at the edge of town. Apartment, with its vintage architecture and ivy-clad exterior, was Clara's sanctuary. She filled it with antique furniture, shelves upon shelves of books, and an assortment of houseplants that she tended to with motherly affection. In this cocoon of comfort, Clara would often lose herself in the pages of a novel or in the soothing melodies of classical music, the outside world a distant memory. One evening, after a particularly tiring day at work, Clara decided to retire early. She turned off the lights, pulled the covers up to her chin, and slowly let herself be lulled by the rhythm of the rain tapping against her window. Just as the tendrils of sleep began to claim her, a faint whisper cut through the silence. Clara! She shot up, eyes darting around the dimly lit room. The whisper was so soft, she might have imagined it. Taking a deep breath, she attributed it to her half-asleep state and decided to lie back down. But no sooner had her eyelids begun to droop, she heard it again. Clearer this time, Clara. Panic surged through her. Clara lived alone. There was no logical explanation for the voice. She reached out to turn on the bedside lamp, but as she did, the bulb flickered and died. She was cloaked in darkness. The whispers grew more persistent, echoing from different corners of her apartment. Clara, why are you hiding? Terrified, Clara grabbed her phone, 
using its faint glow as a makeshift torch. She tiptoed to the door, intending to leave the apartment, but as she reached for the handle, she felt a cold breath on her neck and heard the whisper right next to her ear, You can't leave, Clara. She bolted, rushing out into the hallway. But as she ran down the staircase, the whispers seemed to follow her, bouncing off the walls and growing in intensity. Making it to the ground floor, Clara dashed outside, the rain soaking her instantly. She paused to catch her breath, the eerie silence of the night punctuated only by her ragged breathing. Looking back at her apartment window, she saw a faint silhouette standing there, watching her. Days later, when Clara mustered the courage to return, escorted by a friend, the apartment was just as she had left it. There were no signs of an intruder. Everything was eerily normal. Though she tried to convince herself it had been a figment of her imagination, or perhaps the result of sheer exhaustion, Clara couldn't shake off the unease. She decided to move out soon after. The old apartment remained vacant for a while. However, rumors began to circulate about its history. The previous occupant, an elderly woman named Clara, had lived there alone. She often spoke of hearing whispers and feeling a presence. Some say she passed away in that very apartment, though no one knows the truth. Now, every so often, a new tenant would move in, attracted by the low rent and the apartment's vintage charm. But invariably, after a few days or weeks, they'd leave hurriedly, often in the middle of the night, never looking back, all spoke of the same haunting experience of drifting off to sleep and hearing their name whispered in the stillness of the night. Tale 8. Catacomb Secret The ancient catacombs of St. Martin's Church had always been a topic of whispered discussions in the village of Montclair. Stories of eerie sounds echoing from deep within and tales of ghostly apparitions had been passed down through generations. However, these stories were largely dismissed as myths products of overactive imaginations. When old Mr. Whitman, a respected member of the Montclair community, passed away, his last will and testament explicitly stated his desire to be interred within the catacombs. He had no family left and had always been a recluse, but his contributions to the community and church were unparalleled. Out of respect for his wishes and his generosity, the town decided to honor his request. The funeral was a grand affair Almost every resident attended, not just to pay their respects, but out of a morbid curiosity to venture into the catacombs. The labyrinthine passageways were lit by flickering candles, casting long dancing shadows on the walls. As the procession moved deeper into the catacombs, there was a palpable sense of unease. The walls seemed to close in and the temperature dropped noticeably. The priest leading the procession recited prayers his voice echoing off the stone walls. After the ceremony, as the attendees began to make their way out, they found the heavy crypt door immovable. Panic ensued as they realized they were trapped. Some tried to force the door open, while others searched for another way out, but it was in vain. Hours turned into days. With no food or water, despair set in. Some claimed to see shadows moving in the periphery, hearing whispered voices that seemed to come from the walls themselves. As the days wore on, many lost their sanity, with some swearing they saw Mr. Whitman wandering the catacombs. Eventually, the outside world took notice of the entire village's absence. A search party was organized, and the catacombs became the focus of their investigation. 
when they finally managed to open the crypt door, they were met with an eerie silence. Inside, they found no signs of the funeral attendees. The catacombs, which had been a labyrinth of pathways, were now just a series of dead-end corridors. It was as if the catacombs themselves had shifted, swallowed the villagers, and then returned to their original state. The catacombs were sealed off, and the village of Montclair was left abandoned. It became a place of legend, a cautionary tale about the dangers of meddling with the unknown. Years later, urban explorers would occasionally venture into Montclair, drawn by the tales of the mysterious disappearance. They would find the village frozen in time, but none dared approach the sealed catacombs of St. Martin's Church. However, some nights, if one listens closely, the faint sound of whispered prayers can be heard, echoing from deep within the catacombs a chilling reminder of the villagers who were never seen again. Tale 9. Isolation's End In a world consumed by silence, Vincent found himself as the last beacon of light. Catastrophic events and a deadly virus had decimated the global population, leaving cities as skeletal remains and turning lush landscapes into barren wastelands. Having survived through a combination of luck and preparation, Vincent had, over time, come to accept his solitary existence. His days were filled with routines, scavenging for food, maintaining his shelter, and, most importantly, broadcasting messages on an old ham radio in hopes of finding other survivors. His repetitive message was simple. Is anyone out there please respond? Coordinates are... But the airwaves always responded with static, the sprawling city around him stood as a mute testament to the life that once was. Roads once bustling with traffic now lay cracked and overgrown. Skyscrapers, once towering with might, now stood corroded, their windows shattered, nature's tendrils reclaiming them bit by bit. Vincent's abode was a small, fortified room atop one of the lesser damaged buildings. From here, he could see the sprawling city and monitor any movement. Over the years, he had fortified his safe haven with layers of protection, making it impenetrable. One evening, as the sunset painted the sky with shades of crimson and gold, Vincent sat in his room reading one of the few books he had salvaged. The world outside was silent, except for the occasional whisper of wind. The weight of loneliness pressed down on him, a constant agonizing reminder of his isolation. Then, in the echoing stillness, came a sound that made his heart stop, a knock on his fortified door. He froze, not trusting his ears. Years of solitude had often played tricks on his mind. Yet, there it was again, a steady, deliberate knock. Panic welled up inside him. The defenses of his abode were designed to keep out threats, but he had never considered the possibility of another human being a threat or even a reality. Approaching the door cautiously, he called out, Who's there? There was no response, just another series of knocks, growing louder and more insistent. Every instinct screamed at him to flee, to hide, but where could he go? Slowly, with trembling hands, he began to unlock the multiple bolts and barriers. As the last barrier was unlatched, the door creaked open to reveal nothing. The corridor outside was empty just the dim emergency lights flickering in the distance. Confusion and fear threatened to overtake him. Had he imagined the knocking? As he stood there, trying to make sense of it all, a voice echoed from the shadows of the corridor, 
you're not alone anymore. Vincent turned to face the source of the voice, but nothing could prepare him for what he saw. Figures, not quite human, stood at the edge of the dim light, their silhouettes distorted and warped. As they stepped into the light, Vincent realized they were grotesque amalgamations of man and machine, remnants of a failed experiment to combat the virus that had doomed humanity. We've been searching, one rasped, its voice metallic and cold, for the last human. The realization dawned upon Vincent that he wasn't the last man on Earth. He was the last pure human on a planet overrun by monstrosities born out of mankind's hubris. As they advanced, Vincent knew he had two choices, to join them in their twisted form of existence or to fight for the last shred of humanity left. Determined, he made his stand, not just for himself, but for the memory of a world lost to time. Tale 10, Eternal Wakefulness. Sarah had always been an insomniac, but this was different. Days turned into weeks, weeks into months, and still, she remained acutely, painfully awake. Every attempt at sleep, from herbal teas to meditation to powerful prescription drugs, failed. Her mind simply refused to rest. In the beginning, Sarah tried to use her sleepless state productively, diving into books, research, and late-night hobbies. The darkness of the night had initially brought a sort of tranquility, a stillness she had grown to appreciate. But as time wore on, the perpetual wakefulness began to take its toll. Dark circles framed her eyes, and her skin turned a pale, almost translucent shade. Then the episode started. Sarah would be walking through her apartment, and suddenly, she'd be somewhere else entirely, a dense, fog-covered forest or an abandoned, decaying building. These episodes would last just a few minutes before she'd find herself back in her apartment, gasping for air, her heart pounding loudly in her chest. She sought help, visiting countless doctors, psychologists, and spiritual healers. Everyone was stumped. There were no medical conditions that could explain her symptoms. No psychological trauma triggering these episodes. One spiritual healer hesitated when she heard Sarah's story and finally whispered, it seems your soul is trying to rest, even if your body won't. The episodes grew more vivid and terrifying. Sarah found herself waking up in increasingly dangerous situations, once on the edge of a cliff and another time in the middle of a busy highway. Each time she was pulled back to her apartment just in the nick of time, narrowly escaping disaster. One day Sarah found herself in a room that was eerily familiar. It was her childhood bedroom, a place she hadn't seen in decades. As she looked around, taking in the familiar posters on the walls and the worn-out teddy bear on the bed, she heard soft, mournful sobbing. Following the sound, she found herself standing outside the room's closet. Tentatively, she opened the door to reveal a young girl, huddled in the corner, crying. The girl looked up, and Sarah gasped. It was her, a younger version of herself, around seven years old. Why won't you let me sleep? The younger Sarah whimpered, tears streaming down her face. Sarah, stunned and overwhelmed, knelt down beside her younger self. I don't know, she whispered, her voice choked with emotion. I don't know. The room began to dissolve around them, and soon Sarah found herself back in her apartment, the weight of the encounter heavy on her heart. Desperate and at her wit's end, Sarah decided to return to her childhood home, 
a place she'd avoided for years. As she walked through the now dilapidated house, memories flooded back. She was drawn to her old bedroom, and specifically to the closet where she'd found her younger self. Inside the closet, she found a box of old journals. Flipping through the pages, she stumbled upon an entry dated the day before her perpetual wakefulness began. In her own handwriting, it read, I wish I never had to sleep again. The memories rushed back, the bullying she'd faced, the night terrors that plagued her, the wish she'd made in sheer desperation. Sarah realized that, in a twisted way, her wish had been granted. Sitting in the dark, surrounded by the remnants of her past, Sarah whispered, I wish to find peace and rest. That night, for the first time in decades, Sarah finally went to sleep. And when she woke up, the weight that had been pressing on her was gone. Her ordeal had taught her a chilling lesson. Be careful what you wish for. Let's take a moment to honor the creepiness of the original two-sentence horror stories that inspired this podcast episode. Tale 1. Daddy checked for monsters under my bed. I look underneath for his amusement and see him, another him, under the bed, staring back at me, quivering and whispering, Daddy, there's somebody on my bed. Tale 2. I can't move breathe, speak, or hear, and it's so dark all the time. If I knew it would be this lonely, I would have been cremated instead. Tale 3 I woke up to hear knocking on glass. At first, I thought it was the window until I heard it come from the mirror again. Tale 4 She wondered why she was casting two shadows. After all, there was only a single light bulb. Tale 5 the grinning face stared at me from the darkness beyond my bedroom window. I live on the 14th floor. Tale 6. They delivered the mannequins in bubble wrap. From the main room I begin to hear popping. Tale 7. You start to drift off into a comfortable sleep when you hear your name being whispered. You live alone. Tale 8. The funeral attendees never came out of the catacombs. Something locked the crypt door from the inside. Tale 9. The last man on earth sat alone in a room. There was a knock at the door. Tale 10. I never go to sleep, but I keep waking up. Congratulations on making it to the end of our two-sentence horror stories episode. Um, so... A lot of these we looked through, pulled some of our favorite two-sentence horror stories that are out there, and you just heard those at the end of this, hopefully. And we were able to kind of coach our uh, ChatGPT version 4.0 to uh, turn those into tales around the appropriate length that we wanted and um, use some of our criteria that we've been generating over the course of the first several episodes in order to get it to a place where we were pretty happy with the results. There are a few uh, tales in there that I wasn't crazy impressed with, but uh, overall pretty fun. Um, So today our little AI nugget, our AI tidbits are some creative ways that you can use ChatGPT in your life. Uh, Or if you're just starting out using AI tools, these are just some fun things that you can try. So number one would be try to write a song. Uh, So give yourself um, a style of music that you might like and then give it a topic, the weirder the better, and it will actually put together a song, rhyming song. Um, does a decent job with this. It's also good at poetry. Uh, it can give you some cool 
writing prompts. So number two, you can use it to come up with your own creative writing prompts. This is super useful for teachers who are looking for some additional creative ideas to spark writing from their students. So very helpful. Amazingly, let's say you have a weekend, you know you're going to be in a certain location, you can give it some of your interest. And, and our number three tip would be use it to actually plan a vacation. So uh, tell it where you're going, tell it how many days you have, tell it what you're interested in. It will find some really cool things, especially the version 4.0 that can search the web. It can find some some uh, great creative things that might apply to your interest. You can use it for date ideas. So if uh, you're trying to spice things up and want to come up with a few cool ideas uh, to take your partner on a date, um, it can be really creative with that as well and maybe give you some ideas that you wouldn't think of on your own. You can use it to plan a party. It works especially well if you said something like, hey, I want a theme party around, insert your favorite theme. It will try to customize the party and give you a lot of ideas for how you could make it uh, make make things very fun around a particular theme. It is really, really great with gift ideas. So especially if you have a person that maybe you're not super close with, maybe it's for a boss or something, uh, you can give a few things that you know they're into and it'll come up with some creative ideas within a price range also. You can use it to try to help you generate better habits. Uh, so if you have a goal of losing weight or say you have a goal of wanting to work out, um, you can ask it for some ideas around developing a plan that's going to help you be successful and um, up to you to follow that. But it will do a good job giving you a plan. Um, if you were looking for recommendations around shows or movies or books or anything like that, talk to it about some of the things you like and just ask it, hey, I like these things. What else might I like? Uh, it is probably better than most of the Netflix recommendations that you might get uh, just naturally coming up. It does a really nice job of curating a list of things you might be interested in. It is also really good right now at creating some media files. So being able to generate images is incredible. Uh, do a lot of uh, slides work, Google Slides work in my job. And I have rarely, since using ChatGPT's Dolly 3 model, I've rarely actually gone to the web for images because um, it can curate and create exactly what I'm looking for. For example, I was doing a presentation that where I was talking about uh, how, how good, good communication is a lot like tossing a ball back and forth. So I asked it to generate an image of two toddlers playing tennis uh, and showing them balling the ball back and forth. And it uh, did that and it looked like a real picture. It was actually pretty funny to look at. So no limit to that. And uh, another thing, if you're looking for just some fun recipe ideas, or say you have like six ingredients in your fridge, uh, maybe maybe even less, <laughs> you can plug those in and say, hey, what, what are some things that I can make? Um, so lots of ideas for ways that you can creatively start to use chat, uh, some of these AI tools. Uh, I was referencing ChatGPT, that's the one that I use the most, but Google Bard also can do the same types of things. And um, I think we're going to see more and more options in terms, the same way that we have lots of options for search engines, we'll have lots of options for which AI tools we want to use. Hope this is helpful. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you guys being here and supporting the podcast. Um, if you have ideas for future episodes, there'll be a space in this podcast episode 
for you to be able to drop ideas. So this theme was two sentence horror stories. Uh, we'd love some more creative ideas around what some good themes might be. We'll see you next time.